Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, Certified Lymphedema Therapist and the host of Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of Lymphedema Podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each week, I discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better the journey ahead. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for episode 26 of Lymphedema Podcast. It's July, and that means Camp Watch Me is happening this month. I am so excited to meet all the young lymphy warriors who will be coming to Durant, Oklahoma. I am also over the moon excited to meet the brave lymphy parents who are making the time to invest in their little lymphy's future by learning about lymphedema. If you are not familiar with Camp Watch Me, you can go back and listen to episode 22. Today, we're going to talk about primary pediatric lymphedema. Primary pediatric lymphedema can be categorized into two groups, Milroy's disease and Mage's disease. The primary difference between these two categories is the age of onset, meaning when were these symptoms first noticed. Milroy's disease is present at birth, and there is usually a family history of lymphedema. Although the legs are typically involved, there have been cases reported that affected the arms, hands, and face. Another common thread in the Milroy's disease is the presence of an abdominal malformation of the lymphatic system. This malformation in the intestinal system is a problem because the lymphatic fluid in the legs drain up into the abdomen through the thoracic duct. When the drainage pathway has a malformation, the backflow then occurs. That leads to a buildup of lymphatic fluid in the legs. Mage's disease is also referred to as lymphedema praecox and is not present at birth. Primary lymphedema that presents before the age of 35 but after birth is considered Mage's disease. This is a large time frame for symptoms to present, but there are a few specific events that can lead to the presentation of swelling. One example is puberty. Often the swelling is noticed between the ages of 10 and 14. As the body changes due to hormones, there can be triggers that cause the already damaged lymphatic system to become overloaded. Another example is childbirth. Many women ages 18 to 30 develop lymphedema during pregnancy. Have a listen to Sarah's story in episode 17 about her experience with developing lymphedema during pregnancy. I am going to talk about genetic factors and secondary pediatric lymphedema in episodes to come, so please stay tuned for those this summer as well. Parents' education is the most important aspect of pediatric lymphedema. Babies and toddlers cannot perform MLD or bandage themselves, so we, I'm speaking to the lymphedema therapist here, we need to spend more time with the parents teaching them the whys and the why nots. 
helping them with all of their questions and being patient while they practice and perfect their hands-on treatment with their squirmy toddler. This is the one thing I am so excited about at Camp Watch Me, spending one-on-one time with the parents to help equip them with the tools they need for their kiddo. Well-educated parents are the best tool for the kids. Some specific conditions associated with pediatric lymphedema include KTS, Klippel-Trenene syndrome, Parks-Weber syndrome, Turner syndrome, Noonan syndrome, and amniotic band syndrome. I'm going to go ahead and break down each of these here. Klippel-Trenene, or KTS, has a slow flow malformation that has three parts. One, there's an overgrowth of bone and soft tissue. Two and three is a venous malformation and cutaneous capillary malformations. The capillary malformations specifically cause port wine staining. This is discoloration that can be bluish to purplish in presentation and can sometimes cover a large portion of the skin. Because KTS has an unknown cause, each individual can have a varying degree of symptoms present. One significant and life-threatening symptoms is pelvic and rectal bleeding. Symptoms such as cellulitis, prolonged swelling, port wine staining may not be present at birth. One example and cause of this late onset of symptoms is the presence of persistent embryonic veins. The lateral marginal vein and the sciatic vein are two veins that usually disappear as the body develops. In KTS individuals, these veins are present. These malformations can lead to lightheadedness and episodes of passing out, which can be dangerous. Compression garments help to reduce this particular symptom related to the persistent embryonic veins. Parks-Weber syndrome, sometimes referred to as PWS, unlike Klippel-Trenene syndrome, is a fast-flow malformation that can be mistaken for KTS, but has arteriovenous malformations that cause real tissue hypertrophy, meaning real tissue overgrowth. PWS has a more problematic prognosis compared to KTS due to the cardiac issues that individuals can develop. Heart failure and amputation due to poor circulation are the main two concerns. Both KTS and PWS patients may undergo a procedure called epiphysiodesis to correct leg length discrepancies present. This procedure is indicated if there is a 2 to 4 centimeter leg length difference and is often performed between the ages of 10 to 12. Compression, elevation, and exercise are advised for people with KTS and PWS. You want to let pain be the guide with KTS patients as they can be missing their deep venous system leading to venous stasis and that is painful when you put compression on. Turner syndrome is present in girls who do not have an X chromosome. There are many malformations related to this particular syndrome. Abnormal development of kidneys and ovaries, dwarfism, Deformed fingernails and skeletal deformities can be present. Lymphedema may be present in any location. Noonan syndrome resembles Turner syndrome, but can affect both boys and girls alike. 
A big difference here is also there is no chromosomal involvement. Amniotic band syndrome is a congenital disorder that is caused by constricting rings in utero that causes strangulation marks on the baby. The fingers, toes, neck, and abdomen can be affected as well as the trunk. The rings are strands of amniotic tissues that adhere to the embryo or the fetus during development and then cause swelling. Have you heard about Camp Watch Me? This July in Durant, Oklahoma, we're having the first ever summer camp for kids with lymphedema. Would you please help support us by going to www.brylandsfeet.org to buy a t-shirt. The t-shirt costs $45 and all proceeds go towards camp. The website again is www.brylandsfeat.org. Okay, so we've covered five specific conditions that can be related to primary pediatric lymphedema. And now we're going to get into the treatment side of it, talking about MLD and compression. Kiddos with lymphedema will benefit from complete decongestive therapy. Because they are smaller and still developing, there are some modifications that need to occur compared to adult CDT. An important point is to mention that abdominal techniques are an absolute contraindication for MLD for children. I'm still researching the age at when kids can safely receive abdominal techniques, so stay tuned for an update. MLD can be performed on infants and toddlers. The basic stationary circles and pump techniques are great for kids. Early MLD can normalize limb size and decrease the secondary skin changes that occur with untreated lymphedema. Give the kids a distraction to keep them still for the 15 or 20 minutes. A book, a toy, or turning on a movie are good ideas. You don't have to do MLD with them laying on a table like most textbooks will show. Kids can lay on the floor, on the couch, or in your lap. Just use whatever's available and do whatever feels comfortable. Bandaging for kids is different than bandaging for adults as well. I would not recommend buying kits online for kids because there will be a lot in there that will not fit the kids for a long time. Instead, use four and six centimeter short stretch bandages. Kits will include a four, six, eight, 10, and 12 bandages. And really the kids don't need that. Also grab one inch gauze bandages for the finger wraps and extra soft padding like cotton rolls or vel foam that has a fleece soft foam. Wrapping toes is not recommended for babies, toddlers, or small kids due to how tiny the toes are and the development restrictions that this can lead to. Compression is not recommended for kids under a year of age, but however, my professional opinion is that if the swelling is causing pain and mobility issues, Try some light compression to decrease the symptoms. It's critical that the development of mobility not be interrupted by bandages. However, if bandages can help improve the mobility development stages, I say go for it. Always discuss this with your lymphedema therapist and pediatrician first. When compression garments are needed, it's important to use custom garments due to the irregular shape of kids' arms and legs versus adults off-the-shelf garments. Custom garments must be checked for proper fit 
every four to six months by a lymphedema therapist or a physician. Here are some important notes I made about lymphedema treatment for kids. Progress can be slow due to the changing body of the kids. Parents, stay patient with both the therapist and your kid. Continuing a normal kid life is really important. Let them waddle, bounce, run, jump, and fail. They will adapt quickly and learn how to do it, whatever it is. Kids are clever and determined. Again, be patient and watch them learn a new skill. There's really nothing cuter than seeing the light bulb go off when a kiddo figures something out for the first time. Practice, practice, practice. MLD and bandaging are skills to acquire and they take time. Most lymphedema treatment is trial and error for how and what works best for you. Keep it simple, keep it routine, and it will become easier with time. As your kiddo starts walking and moving around independently, there is increased need for leg bandaging. Thank you, gravity. So when the swelling becomes worse or more frequent, bump up the bandage frequency and tension. Nothing tight and harmful, but the more mobile they are, the quicker the bandage will become loose. Ask your lymphedema therapist when it's time to increase compression and how to achieve this. My final note for the parents listening is that you're awesome. Having a child with lymphedema has its own set of challenges that no other parent has to face. You are already a rock star in my book for listening to this podcast just because you want to help your child. You are the most important part of their treatment. You are the most capable of providing good quality care for your kiddo at home. Keep up the great work, parents. I hope to see you at Camp Watch Me this summer. If not this summer, then please consider coming next year. Camp Watch Me is the only place you can meet other parents in person, learn hands-on treatment techniques from professionals, watch your kid meet other children with lymphedema for the first time, and see them grow in their knowledge of lymphedema all while having a really fun time. Mother Teresa says, Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you've enjoyed learning more about primary pediatric lymphedema. Email me with your story if you would like to share. Lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.